Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Wednesday show. We've got a great guest for this show. We've got Nat Wright of Small Biz Charge joining us, and he's going to be discussing all things email. Then we're going on to discuss how to produce great content for your online course or learning management system. And then finally, we're going to be talking about forms. So it's going to be a packed field episode here. I'm going to let Nat uh, introduce himself quickly. Introduce yourself to the audience, Nat. Hey, I'm Nate. Uh, founder of Small Biz Triage, founded it nine years ago. This year, we took a huge step into the email marketing training space with a brand called Inbox Attack. Trying to shake things up a bit with it. We'll see how it goes this year. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. And I've got my great co-host, keeps me under control. That's Kim. Like to introduce yourself, Kim? Absolutely. I'm Kim Schivler. I'm a speaker communications strategist and instructional design consultant you can find me here at the wp tonic podcast taking care of jonathan oh thank you kim and i'm the founder of wp tonic we're a support maintenance company specializing only in wordpress with an emphasis on membership and learning management system web-powered websites. And before we go into the interview, I'd like to just do a plug for our major sponsor, which is Kinsta Hosting. And Kinsta Hosting are a boutique WordPress-only hosting provider, manage WordPress hosting. They are big enough to give you all the bells and whistles if you're a developer, staging sites, statistics, Google platform, um, the works basically if you're a client super quick websites web page loading they are a fantastic partner we use them for the wp tonic website and some of our clients being they're big enough like to say to have all the technology but still small enough to really care about their clients and their support is fantastic and we're really very appreciative of their support of the show and if you like to show that give them a twitter or go to the wp tonic website and there's banners and links on the website they are affiliate links and you'll be supporting the show if you use those for your own hosting or for your clients hosting back to the show Nat. so email marketing in 2018 where where are people going wrong you know can you give a brief outline of what you think works now in email marketing and maybe a brief outline where people are doing the wrong thing all right i'll Rattle them off. Uh, we'll start with the wrong. Uh, automating too early and too often. I, I, I would say every day I get two to three requests from small to medium-sized businesses saying, I want a drip campaign. And I ask them, all right, so how are your emails doing now? Do people open the first email? <laughs> and crickets. So typically people are trying to make it too easy on themselves and you and, and tend to end up with very generic content that way. Uh, so we encourage most people to 
do it slowly, do it manually in the beginning, uh, and then learn it. And then once they figure out what works and what doesn't work, then you get automated, it, but not, not the other way around. Second thing is using a newsletter platform for B2B sales. So for example, uh, we have had a lot of uh, WordPress developers, online training programs, coaches, speakers. As like, hey, I wanna, I get, wanna get more gigs. I wanna get more clients. So I'm gonna take this cold email list, whether it's scraped or pulled out of their Outlook contacts, and they blast them with Mailchimp or Constant Contact. And it's from a long list of reasons is not effective. Uh, so typically, doing it manually or with a G Suite extension, such as uh, Mailshake is one of our favorites. Right now, we love Mailshake. And so using that for, for the B2B. And so I, to, 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 I apologize to interrupt, but what's Milkshake? Did you say Milkshake? <laughs> no, it's a Mailshake. M-A-I-L-S-H-A-K-E. Mailshake for B2B is the... Uh, I would say the best, the best on the market by a long shot. Uh, we get deliverability, 80, 90% open rates, crazy click rates. It's not meant as a newsletter tool. That's not meant for nurturing or informing or for automations really. It's really, really good to get somebody on the phone and bring in new clients. So, so we like MailChimp on the newsletter side, MailShake on the BDB cold emails. And, and what's so great about Mailshake? Uh, deliverability. It just piggybacks off of Gmail servers, oh. and it's cheap, 19 bucks a month, and oh. its deliverability is really good. They know how to navigate the, the caps that Gmail has in place for sending it's just a much better platform uh, for cold. There's a lot of competitors out there, but we've used pretty much all of them. And that's the one that's at the top of the stack right now. Yeah, the kind of the um, the two main platforms I utilize is SendGrid and ActiveCampaign. They're the two main technologies when it comes to email marketing I utilize myself. So mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you there. So um, it's a so basically, you're, what you're saying is the main thing is don't get some list that you haven't got any kind of really close relationship with and start blasting emails to them. Yeah, and it's it's best practice, but people still do it. And it's not rooted in, you know, in, in tactical or strategic issues. It's just people are in a rush. And in my experience, small batches when you're doing sales emails are way better. All right. Way, way better. That's how I reached you, actually. It was a Mailshake campaign. Oh, was it? Yep. Oh, right. It looked really personalized, though, didn't it? I would hope it? it yeah, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, and it was personalized because we actually went through the entire list of people we wanted to reach out to and pre-wrote actual personalized blurbs for every single one of them. So it took a couple extra hours of work on the front end, but it pays off so much. Yeah, I think what you're talking about there is customization, aren't you? And um, list targeting because um, and segmenting your list structure. 
Yes. Would you yeah. would you agree and give some detail why what we're talking about basically there? Yeah, it's any opportunity you could have to personalize any part of an email, you need to take it. Uh, some of my favorite tags to use is I'll use the company name and a subject line. And you see that used often, but people will get lazy and I'll say, hey, I've got a, a great uh, plugin or theme that would work really great for you know, ABC Plumbing, LLC Unlimited. <laughs> so we'll actually go through the original source spreadsheet and make them human friendly and say, oh yeah, it'll work for ABC Plumbing. Uh, I would also say that first names, this is one of the things that's new, 2018 new. Personalizing emails with the first name, I have not seen conclusive results and we send thousands of campaigns I have not seen conclusive results that that using the first name as a personalization tag improves or or doesn't improve emails. Uh, it's a cultural thing too. Certain industry segments are more they're okay with it, and others aren't. Uh, that's great, um, Kim. Got any questions? I do, and I just wanted to clarify because I think this is what I heard. So, for example, the mail shake you're particularly talking about the power of it with cold emails. Yeah. So not where, um, so I'm a communications instructor, but I'm I'm almost all B2B. But once they've taken a class with me, they usually do want my ongoing information that I send to them to tweak what I just taught them. Yep. That I would still use my newsletter platform. Absolutely. As opposed to MailShake. Yeah, because at that point, it's opt-in. And most of the good cold email platforms aren't good at list management and they're not as visual or text-based. The good ones are it's just all text. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's the stack we usually use. At the end of the day, uh, we use them in conjunction with each other. So Perfect. depending upon what it is. Thank you for that. That's what I thought I was hearing and I'm taking notes and I want to make sure I'm doing it right. So okay. I really appreciated that because I haven't looked at MailShake um, either. I've just been using my newsletter platform, but it's only after they've met. I, I actually meet most people in face initially, which, you know, face to face, I tend to still be old fashioned, which is why I love your tagline of unapologetically human. Mm-hmm. So other than these two automation tools, what are some other things you would recommend we do to be unapologetically human online? Uh, write like you talk. Yeah. You know, if you read an email out loud and you find yourself biting down on the words or it feels like there's a sour piece of candy in your mouth trying to say it, you need to change the wording. It needs to sound like something you would say in person. So if your name is in the from block of that email and you read it out loud and it doesn't sound like you would say it to someone in real life, then you need to fix it. Uh, Another thing is call to action in an email. I mean, it's one of those things that's talked about in all areas of marketing. It, my favorite call to action is hit reply. So people will say, I'm sending out 30,000 emails. I don't want to get all those replies. And I was like, really? So it's, just hit reply. Those conversations, they're going to teach you more about your, your customers and clients 
and your your future customers than any survey or any analytics ever will. The conversations teach you, they teach you faster. Uh, the other thing I would say is phones still work. Handwritten thank you cards. There's a company in, in the UK actually that does marketing for bigger businesses and part of their sales funnel is a handwritten really nice card. And the conversion rates on that is just crazy high, crazy high. So with all the technology in the world, if you really want that person to be your customer or stay your customer, handwritten card, phone calls, in-person meetings if they're local. Yeah, my thank you cards are right there. And I love what you said about the, um, the hit reply because there's nothing to me that seems more impersonal than when you get that email and it says do not reply to this because it's that you know at no reply mm-hmm. oh, oh I right that. like oh so why do i think you're real you're obviously not that interested in me if mm-hmm. you're sending me an at no reply yep. in my view yep so jonathan yeah so um what what is a really positive thing somebody could do about their email marketing in 2018 if I was to pick one thing, uh, is get put in a lot of repetition of sending out smaller segment emails. So, for example, uh, you push out a newsletter and you have you know a certain amount of people click on a certain link in a campaign, and most newsletter platforms could track that and. And say it's something about uh, like an LMS plugin, right? So that little segment may only be like 23 people, but it is worth writing an email for those 23 people to specifically say, oh, I see you're interested in an LMS program. That's like super creepy. Just say, hey, I want to give you a bit more about this. I want to tell you a little more. Or so that's one thing. I'm going to slip one more in there. So I kind of have to. Uh, oh, practice being less self-centered. If there's ways of bringing in other voices, I'm a huge fan of cross-promotion. Huge fan of cross-promotion. So it's one of the, it doesn't even have to be paid, but just sharing with people. You know, this is, I mean, Tim Ferriss does it. There's a lot of other people that said, this is the stuff that I love right now. And, and using that platform you have, that voice, to spread the love around a little bit, you know, uh, enrich the ecosystem. Oh, that's great. Thanks so much. We're going to go for our break, folks. We'll be back in a a few moments and then we'll be talking about learning management system course, membership websites and building the uh, content that's so necessary to make that a success. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast 
We're coming back. We've had a great discussion. Kim's kept me under control. So there we are, kept me on topic. I haven't asked multiple questions. Uh, um, thanks so much for those insights that about um, email marketing. I, I wanted to give to the listeners some, and you provided some excellent advice there, some really um, little tidbits that they can really think about. And I think we've done that. Let's go on to course development. You know, you've said that you've had a lot of experience helping clients um, with um, their learning management systems and the um, the need to develop strategy and course. Got any insights what you've learned from helping clients over the past few years with that? Yeah, sure. Uh, video length has been a hot topic. And... My rule of thumb with that is pretty simple. I, I hear the question a lot. How long should the videos be? And I was like, well, ask your students how long they're going to be able to pay attention. Because oftentimes it's, it's so, the, the subject matter, it's such a, a fuzzy equation. It's like calculus trying to figure out people's attention spans on certain subject matter. Like I imagine the length of your podcast, a lot of work and <laughs> testing went in to figure out what the right length of the podcast is, Right. My podcasts are way too long, and I don't have a lot of subscribers to it for that very reason. <laughs> uh, and they'll hold the so that, that's one thing is is just to ask, ask on the length. Uh, from a technical perspective, now that bandwidth and technology has I think caught up, you know, live training has a lot of value. I mean, one of the things that I learned, and it was quite accidental a few years ago, I was doing a webinar series for the Arts Alliance up in Portland, Oregon. And they, uh, just on the fly, I was like, hey, let's do like a, a live rewrite. Let's do something live. And I was given an email template to rewrite live. And there's nothing more effective to drawing people to me. So when you're advertising a course or a workshop, being able to flex your muscles live where it's unedited and show this is how good I really am is important. Granted, the first time I did it, I wasn't that awesome. <laughs> to get some more practice. But that tactic, if, if you have the opportunity to work stuff up in a live setting and use that as pro a promotional material, really, really effective. Really effective. Oh, that's so great. Kim, got some questions? Absolutely. Um, I, I did want to ask just for clarification for them, what you were doing when you were doing it live was copywriting, correct? Yes. Because you also are a copywriter. Yeah, that's, I say in my company, we're all copywriters first, nerds second. <laughs> we try to keep that part of ourselves closeted, but I I would say it's half and half behind the scenes. Yeah. So when you're teaching people this, when you're creating your own courses around the email, mm -hmm. et cetera, how critical is it that you're helping them also master that copywriting piece so that they are, you know, getting the right thing out to their, to their email customers? I would say there's three things. One, being platform agnostic. So oftentimes people try to shape their writing and their messaging based on the limitations of a platform. And I think that if you're training something that isn't particularly, if you're training Photoshop, right, you need to stay in the Photoshop zone. But if you're teaching something fuzzier like marketing or development, 
making it platform agnostic is much more helpful. I've found as I said, there's always exceptions. Uh, the second thing would be the use of frameworks. Oftentimes people get stuck on, on, you know, I'm, you know, follow X persons. I'm, 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 I'm drinking this flavor of Kool-Aid right now, but actually including other frameworks, like we've used frameworks that screenwriters use, uh, talking about things like value change, how to create contrast in, in writing. That's something that we learned from screenwriting. So we'll pull that in. And oftentimes we'll pull in guest trainers to help teach that, to give them that different perspective. Because oftentimes we will teach maybe five or six different fr- frameworks for writing an email because one of them will work, but it's, it's important for them just to that. And the final thing is repetition, just putting in reps. There's no, there's, you can't get around it. Of course that's tough. It's like, Hey, everyone wants a shortcut, but if they really, really want to learn it, they need to do like the boot camp course and then do the, the daily stuff and the weekly stuff. They need to actually continue putting in reps. So if you structure the opportunity to put in reps into coursework, it's going to be a lot stickier. And I imagine it with your background, you probably understand that, how to explain that better than I do. No, that's absolutely it. Repetition and doing it repeatedly is, is absolutely how we learn and how we master. It takes a long time to actually master it. So being that you do that, do you then offer with your students possibilities or options for ongoing coaching as opposed to yes. just here's a course, you're out the door? Uh, Coaching is our primary. And I said this year we launched Inbox Attack as a, uh, a way to kind of merge together a coaching style environment with the repetitions, with the cross training, all the elements. And we're launching next week. We'll see how it goes. Uh, and what do they say? No plan survives first contact with the enemy. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, I'm not sure... I know that structurally that's worked. We're hired guns mostly. I've been a hired gun for tons of companies teaching and training. And this is our first foray into actually throwing me on the stage and seeing how it goes. We'll see. But uh, I would have to say the, the coaching aspect is nice, but it's not as scalable. And that's what's happening as I'm packed with coaching clients. And a lot of times, those coaching relationships almost slip into like therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's do some business counseling here <laughs> because mm-hmm. oftentimes the issue isn't that they don't know the material. It's that they're afraid of actually publishing or practicing it in public. Uh, I think yeah. that's fantastic. Oh, sorry. I interrupted. They came. My apologies. No, no, it's okay. I was, I was just agreeing with him on that. I was going to hand it back to you, John. Oh, thanks. Um, so you, you, what's the technology that you use to build your course, which you're launching next week? Oh, geez. Uh, WordPress all the way for the website. Oh. Yeah. No, we, it's, I've built, I think, about 150 WordPress sites and hire it out when I can. I do it myself if I'm in a rush. I know, like any good developers, I need this done tomorrow. I'd be like, nah, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not putting my name on that. Uh, and we're going to be using Zoom for the actual live coaching sessions, uh, Facebook closed group, and a LinkedIn closed group for conversational elements. So it's pretty standard stuff there. 
Uh, we are, after we get, once again, repetitions, right? Practice what we preach. I would say once we get about eight weeks into it, uh, we're going to look at, and this is something I haven't figured out yet, is managing the videos behind a login. So they can log in to access that stuff. I've used so many different plugin stacks and theme frameworks and actual you know, non-WordPress options in the past. And frankly, I haven't liked any of them that much. Uh, so you, are, you using a, are you using a WordPress learning management system plugin like LiftLMS or LearnDash? Uh, LearnDash is actually the top of our, our uh, list right now as the one that will actually roll out. Uh, I don't have any direct experience with it yet, but what it integrates with and then styling and stuff actually like we're, I know it's, I don't know, maybe speaking sacrilege, but I'm a huge fan of elegant themes and, and the Divi framework, mm -hmm. even though it was like, oh, you'll never get a good load time with that. And that's true. I've tried <laughs> I really get a good load time with it, but uh, learn dash is at the top of the list. We're also looking at, Oh, you definitely um, want to look at um, Lifter LMS as well, but um, they're very is it good? different. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're different products, aren't they, Kim? Really, very different. I teach both of them. Uh, yeah. They're very different, and it depends on exactly what you need. But uh, yeah, they're they're both very good. They both also have uh, an option, depending on which of their add-ons you go with, of private coaching areas. Oh, that's cool. Where you can actually have a private page for a coaching student that's just the two of you which is really pretty powerful. Stuff. Built it in the same platform. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been avoiding it because all the ones that I've built for my clients over the years, there's always been a, not a small annoyance, but like a major obstacle, like yeah. structurally how the curriculum is organized, uh, mixing up live elements with pre-canned elements. Uh, I'm also looking at our original vision for inbox tech was not training. It was actually a, a web show. But I, I still want to explore that using uh, OBS and Restream mm -hmm. to, to Dash and get it streaming out to YouTube and Facebook and all the other. I don't think I'll ever be on Twitch. I don't think it's gaming enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> so you also say you started a you know a, a Facebook page and a Facebook group and yeah. a LinkedIn group. Um, have, is uh, did you start those a little while ago? And how's that? How's that? We just started it. As I said, I've been in hired gun mode. I've, you know, put in hundreds of probably like over a hundred projects for, you know, learning management systems, workshops, coaches. And so I'm trying to take everything we've learned and put it all into one. Uh, one thing I have not figured out yet is that our roughly half of our audience are of the LinkedIn flavor and the other half mm. are all about Facebook. And is managing between the two groups. Well, they've got, they've got very different cultures, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like the, the LinkedIn ecosystem better. Like when people are on LinkedIn, they tend to have more business focused conversations and it's a uh, uh, little less, less tangents in, in the conversational threads, but, but Facebook it's, it's, you can't ignore them. It's like Google. You can't ignore Google. You can't ignore Facebook. So, so building the course out um, for yourself, has it been 
have you learned some things actually trying to build this yourself rather than being advising um, clients as a hired gun, as you said? Yeah. Uh, I would have to say the, uh, I mentioned earlier in the conversation about duration, like how long videos, how long training sessions, how long workshops should be if they're in person, if they're virtual. And I like to go deep dive into topics when I'm coaching. That's where, you know, where most of my direct experiences is in the one-on-one coaching, you know, sometimes small group workshops. But I'm finding that carving up, carving it up into more digestible pieces is important. So we're looking right now at how we could build them more modularly. So if we're going to do a hour-long course, where are those pauses going to be? Where can we actually slip in the edits? We break it apart and do intros and outros and bumpers differently so we could recycle and upcycle the content later. Uh, so that's, from a production standpoint, that's been the big hill we're climbing now. Um, so you got a question, Kim? I was, I was just going through the same kind of thing very recently. Um, yeah, I, in my experience after a lot of automated courses, when you're doing the automated portion, the more you can break it down, the better. Mm-hmm. You know, just because if someone's logging in and you're not live there with them, they, they don't tend to want to watch a 20, 30-minute video. No. So if you can plan ahead. One thing we have done as a workaround, and in fact, I was on a call this morning doing it, if you've got a longer piece of content that you really do want to have out there, is to break it into sections of timestamps. Ah. Because there's still breaks, right? Here you were talking about this break. There's still a logical flow to it. And so if you can have timestamps with little notes and highlights, mm-hmm. people still have something to refer back to quickly. Yep. And that can help you if you ever end up with a larger piece of content. I like that. Okay. Timestamp <laughs> version. I, yeah. think, I think we're going to wrap it up for this audio part of the pod, of the show, folks. Um Basically, um, now how can people get hold of you? And also, you got a little special offer for the audience as well, which are going to be in the show notes. Yeah, the uh, so the best way to get a hold of me is Nate at inboxattack.com. So Nate at inboxattack.com. I actually do check my own email. I'm a believer in inbox zero and I've been doing a lot of PR work lately. So I'm kind of regretting my email address out everywhere. Uh, I've got a good team of guys that I work with. They all have different flavors of, of email marketing expertise and they're just somehow they've managed to put up with me for years. I don't know how. Uh, and as an inbox attack is launching Jeez, a week from Friday, actually. No, no pressure. I'm not freaking out. No, at all. no pressure at all. Actually, uh, but I'll be I'll be providing a uh, uh, a discount code so to rock a uh, four week trial of it. No mm-hmm. credit card needed. So of inbox attack, just to get in some reps with writing. It's just about getting. So you bring the material, and it's just like Fight Club. If it's your first time here, you're gonna write. So we're all going to be hopping into Google Docs together and everyone's going to get their hands dirty in a digital sense. Uh, a lot of people don't like that and that's that's fine. 
All right. So for, the, for the two people listening that do like that, uh, we'll, we'll hook you up. So. Yeah, that's great, and that will be in the show notes, folks, the uh, generous offer that Nat and his, and his team have uh, made. Um, Kim, how can people find out more about you? Uh, first, thank you for that, Nate. And unlike Fight Club, we are allowed to talk about Inbox Attack, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> I'm Kim Shivler. You can find me and everything I do at kimshivler.com. And if you want to find more about WP Tonic, go to the website. There'll be a full set of show notes um, with all the links to um, that relevant to our discussion. Um, we're going to continue the discussion after we wrap up this podcast, which you'll be also be able to watch on the WP Tonic website as bonus content, where we're going to be discussing um, form plugins and some of the experience Net has had with those, good, bad, or indifferent. So that should be an interesting um, continuance of the discussion. Like I say, if you want to support the show, um, please go and um, give Kinster, our major sponsor, a Twitter or, or use our affiliate links and buy their great hosting packaging. Or, and if you're really generous, leave us a review on iTunes. I always read them. If I find them amusing, my perverted English humour, I even read them out on the show. And also remember to join us on our Friday roundtable, hard-hitting WordPress commentary. We hold no punches on the WP Tonic Roundtable show rather controversial got me into a bit of trouble but i just love it and that's on every friday at 8 30 pacific standard time you can watch it live on the wp tonic facebook page and we have a great panel of wordpress experts and like i say we don't hold anything back we'll see you next week folks with somebody doing something interesting with wordpress see you next week folks bye Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.